KXNO Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State basketball completed their Italian tour going 3-0 after a 98-69 win against Ivory Coast. Salman Young led the Cyclones in scoring with 17 points in the finale, and joining him in double figures included Rashir Bolton, Prentice Nixon, Trey Jackson, and Zion Griffin. Iowa State begins the season November 5th against Mississippi Valley State. A pair of commitments over the weekend for the in-state schools. Iowa State nabs TJ Tampa, a three-star athlete who shows the Cyclones over offers from Maryland, Wake Forest, Rutgers, Central Florida, South Florida, and Toledo. Iowa football picked up a commitment from Deontay Craig of Indiana. The three-star defensive end picked the Hawkeyes over offers from Tennessee, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. Iowa checks in at number 23 in the latest Rivals team rankings for the 2020 class, while Iowa State sits at 32. MLB from yesterday, the Cubs and Pirates playing in Williamsport, PA, home of the Little League World Series. Nick Castellanos gets it going early for Chicago. Ball is hit a bunch out to left field. Reynolds will watch it, and that one is gone. The call from ESPN, a 7-1 victory for the Cubs. Cardinals in Cincinnati against the Reds, and it was Paul Goldschmidt again going deep. Not that kind. That's pretty good action there. His second home run in this series, Goldschmidt. The call from Fox Sports Midwest is the Cardinals win it 5-4. The Cardinals and Cubs remain tied at the top of the NL Central standings. The Brewers are two games back. The Twins were in Texas trying to complete a four-game sweep of the Rangers. Tied up in the eighth, Jorge Polanco to the plate. Drive to right center field. It's down for a hit. It'll run to the wall. It'll clear the bases. Polanco to third, and the Twins have retaken the lead. The bases-clearing triple gave the Twins a 6-3 lead, and they went there on the call from Fox Sports North. The Twins lead over the Indians in the AL Central at two and a half games. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, 11 o'clock hour. Take you until noon. It's 5 after the hour of 11 o'clock. Dylan Mont's coming up at 11.15. Scott Dockerman at 11.35. You know, Trent, you do this long enough, they'll come up with a list of things you got embarrassingly wrong over your career. We had a big swing and a miss to end last hour Holy for people just uh, hitting their lunch break. I am shocked by this. We we talked about the immaculate inning. Yes. And uh, I got a call from John Cannon, who's a, really a bright guy. Yes. And he thought that, uh, you know, guys are wrong on this. Immaculate doesn't mean perfect uh, or rare. Immaculate, you guys are using that. Uh, when you look up the definition of immaculate, you can actually use it uh, for this. It was a perfect. Uh, nine pitches, nine strikes. Perfectly clean, neat, or tidy. There you go. And that's what, what immaculate that was. means. So yes. That's what that was. I just don't think, I think our point was we don't like, the, the, you can't call it immaculate. Immaculate's taken. Right. They'll only, they'll, for me, anyways, immaculate will always be the Raiders and the Steelers and Franco Harris. And who did the ball deflect off of? Was it Rocky Blyer? I don't think that's right. I don't. I'm trying to remember, rack my bags, right. roll NFL films late at night when I should be in bed as a as a youngster. Yeah. 
It was early. You weren't born yet. No, no. No, it was a it was a December game because I remember the weather was god awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, anyways, so we then we was, I threw out there. Well, how many times has a pitcher struck out four guys in an inning? I said a dozen. And I thought that's way too high, Trent. This You're going to be adjusting rare. that number to down to cut that in half and maybe you got something. Because here. I, though I think of immaculate innings, though I never thought of them in that term, nine pitches, nine strikes, you strike out the side. I've seen that. Right. And we went through the numbers. But four strike, I can't remember ever seeing it myself in an inning or seeing a highlight of an inning where that happened, watching MLB Network or anything. So I figured this has got to be incredibly rare. Right. So you thought 12, I thought 6. We split the difference. We set the number at 8. Jeremy Hellickson's done it in his career. Has he? Is he on that list? Yes. Did it back in 2011. 92 pitchers have accomplished <laughs> that feat. 92. It's not an exclusive list that Jeremy no. Hellickson is on. It's, I mean, Jesus, 92. We were way off. Yeah, I'll say swing and a miss there. Uh, so um, again, you do this long enough, you're going to make a fool out of yourselves. Some say we would do this on a weekly basis, but that was certainly about. I had no idea uh, that uh, 92 MLB players have done that as many times as they have. Frenchie Fuqua was it? That's where the okay. deflection came from. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Frenchie, I'll, I'll buy that. I, I can buy that. That that certainly could be the case. I don't know why I had Blyer in the back of my mind. I would but. like to. Does NFL Network play those old NFL films very often? It just, yeah, maybe when in they're the on, it just seems like there's other things going on, and I just. Well, I'm sure the Immaculate Reception's got a 30 minute special. Oh no doubt. It. Yes, it, there it has to. Be. Yeah. I'm sure it does. I, I'm almost positive that's how I learned about it, uh-huh. and that's how I learned about the history of the NFL was because of that. So well done. Yeah. Sable, that guy. Oh, my. And both dead. The old man yes. and, he, yeah. and then uh, Steve Jr. Uh, passed away. All right, so let's get to the AP poll. Uh, Dylan Mott's coming up on Iowa State. Uh, we won't talk about the AP poll with Dylan. As he had a staff meeting. We had to tape him just before we went on the air today. But he certainly will Scott Dockerman. Mm-hmm. So I saw, I, I saw the Twitter. Iowa is 20. Iowa State is 21. But that's all I know about it, uh, about the poll itself. But, I mean, pretty special, right, that both of the in-state schools show up uh, on the list, 20 for Iowa, 21 for Iowa State. What what else jumps off the page at you? Well, at the top, no surprise, Clemson's 1, Alabama's Mm -hmm. 2, Georgia 3, Oklahoma 4, Ohio State 5. It's just kind of the way most everybody, I think, has it going into the season is that one. How about Notre Dame at number 9? Does that seem a tick high? Schedule's tough, Trent. They got it a is. good quarterback and book, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hey, that that's one of those teams that um, that perplexes me. I'm with you. There. You know, an, who who is another one of those teams that perplexes me? They don't you, I don't think, but they sure do. I I'm not. I don't know what to make of Iowa. You don't. I don't. I like Are the they talent. Win I don't seven like the games. Are they going to win nine games? Are they going to win six games? I don't think they're going to end up as a top twenty-five team after I the don't year either. Because of the schedule. Right. It's a conversation I remember having a decade ago, though, 2009. And finally, I got sick of it because it was a really talented team. Mm -hmm. And Schedule, 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 Mm -hmm. schedule. Well, if you're talented, you find a way. Right. You you get past it. And they had road games at Michigan State and Ohio State that year, Iowa State that year, which wasn't the Iowa State of now. But it was a difficult road schedule that year, too. And they were good. They went on and won an Orange Bowl. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just what it is. We... It's a very simple equation. Iowa has to win close games. That's it. Yep. And if they win them, 
And they did in 2009. They're going to be a top that schedule. They go 10 and 2 with that schedule and are playing oh in Indy. Oh my god, Trent. Where are they ranked? <sighs> top that schedule? Certainly 10, top 12. 10. I was going to say 10. Yep. Not, I would not top that would yeah, they would be in the top. I would put them 10. Yeah. I mean, that would be my guess right now, but I just can't figure them out right now. What concerns you? Well, the, the, middle the, of the, the middle of the defensive line, the okay. middle of the offensive line, with the exception of the young center, Lindebaum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's still a freshman. And he's still a freshman. I'm not sold on the receivers. The tight ends are both first-round picks in the NFL. Nate Stanley's good, but he needs to improve his accuracy. Are they going to find a, a, a guy to run the football? I'm hoping it's Torn Young because I really like his story, and I think it might be. I think the secondary's solid. They're going to a new defense. There's questions there. I mean, Brasinos was a hell of a kicker. He was. Um, are they six and six? Or are they nine and three? I'm in. I don't know where to go, Trent, at this point. But they have arguably the best defensive end in the country. Yes, I agree with you. They have a three-year starting quarterback. Right, but his accuracy leaves a little to be desired. But how many times do we see guys make that leap in that I'm, last year? They can and experience. That's why I'm on the nine games. and three end. When I think, well, don't be so hard on him. He could. It could happen. This is him. the deepest receiver room that they've had in a decade at the wide receiver mm-hmm. position, tight end. But do different. they have a guy, Nico Rogani? He'll lead the team in receptions. Okay. He'll be the guy that takes over from okay. Nick Easley yep. and Vandenberg, mm-hmm. Riley McCarron. He'll be the and next that's of that been line. The, that's been the position that's been the you know guy that they've looked to a lot. And now they have experience on the outside, something they haven't had mm-hmm. with Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset. So you and have I like both of those part. kids' potential. I do. Tyrone Tracy Jr., he continues to turn heads. I, they have depth there. And Alvar Martin, we still don't know. Right. All of a sudden, he jumps on board. That's a deep yeah, wide receiver Yeah, there's two position. decisions that the state needs, right? Yeah. Um, what do we get first, Oliver Martin or Rashir Bolton for Iowa State basketball? I don't know. It's football season first. You'd think that they you would think, like to know, right? They're, too, they're a week away from instilling game plan for week one. They're 12 days away from kicking off the season, and he still doesn't know? Right. No, that's not fair. I, I would hope that Martin gets the news first just because they, you know, there's time for basketball. November 5th is when Iowa State right. opens the season for hoops against Mississippi Valley State. Yeah. You can handle that one. But they don't even start practice till the end of September. Mm-hmm. Actual games are beginning here. Right. Hawks will be four games into it when basketball season's practice starts. Speaking of Iowa, we've seen the number. It's been out for a long time. Miami of Ohio, 21 and a half. Mm-hmm. The 21st ranked Cyclones open with you and I, and I've seen my first FCS Have FBS you. number. And you got to go to uh, faraway places for that one. Though they are, uh, they trickle in later in the week. Usually, they do. you can find a couple of properties in the vet. Now, will they hear? That's a you know that's one. Yes, that's, uh, I'm not. Maybe the morning rush asked. Did they, I don't even know if they had a, anybody from William Hill. We didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said it with Ross. We didn't. Maybe Keith and Andy did. Whether they would post a line for you and I, Iowa State, they should. They absolutely should. One thing that you talked about, some of the people you you spoke with with William Hill, is this market. I don't think they quite realized no, they how didn't. important college sports were right, right. in comparison to the pros. Now they look at they're going to adjust very oh, yeah. quickly, and yes. they got on their airplane when they went back to Las Vegas on Saturday. I think most of the team left on Saturday. They they had a pretty good idea of uh, you know just how important Iowa and Iowa State are here. The line that I saw offshore, yeah, it's, it's three touchdowns, just a shade under. Okay. 18 and a half. 18 and a half. Thought it was a good number. Mm-hmm. Last time they played, Iowa State won 42-24. Mm-hmm. Team. Had to think about it. I don't like the quarterback situation say, for, I was, for you Q, and I. They don't have a QB yet, yeah. do they? And because of that, that's why I would certainly probably side right now with ISU. But 
at least a thought worthy. How number. about a two game teaser? <laughs> right? Yes. We won't um, be able to do that. We can bet on real football coming up this weekend. Legally. Florida, Miami. Yeah, this is week zero. And I need to get back to Prairie and I need to uh, talk to the people there. I still haven't got my email. Yeah, there's uh, there's app troubles, isn't there? Yeah. Our the, app I got the app downloaded. That, that was easy. Mm-hmm. But I still haven't got the email so with my account an, information. Answer me this, because the I've never seen an app that doesn't let you get to make your subsequent deposits mm-hmm. on your app. It's everywhere. I mean, you have to show up in person the first time. They mm-hmm. need to know who you are. Yep. And then going forward, you're going to be able to fund your account and take money out of your account on your app. And I've seen more Twitter saying that that's not the case. And I'm scratching my head over that one. I will ask for confirmation today when I head out. There. I'm going to be and heading you out there. have to be able to fund your account the second time on your app. I am. I know we have asked this question before. Yes. We asked Brian Rilko, and he said right. yes. That's the way can. it is. That's what was approved by the yes. Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission. And maybe it's just a product of them not being ready to do that. Yeah. And um, some confusion that comes out of that. Sure. Very well could happen. Sure. That way. we got to take a time out. Dylan Mons uh, covers Iowa State for the Ames Tribune. We'll talk to Dylan next. Scott Darkerman coming up as well. We take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon, quarter past the hour of 11 on Des Moines Sports Station, uh, 1460. Ash today. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back as we continue on here in the 11 o'clock hour. It's Miller and Condon. Time to play the hits. Iowa State momentarily with Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune. Uh, Coming up, our final guest of the program will be Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Let's get Dylan Montz in here as we are a week out from game week. Dylan, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Dylan, how are you? Pretty well, and it feels good to be a week out game week. Yeah, it's uh, it's a long time coming, but boy, don't blink it. It'll be over. (laughs) You know, we wanted to spend some time focusing on Dylan and, you know, just kind of the position battles as maybe they're the ones that are still yet to be determined, maybe ones that have been decided on. On, that they they went to fall camp thinking that it was a two or a three uh, guy race and maybe one's uh, elevated themselves and looks as though they're in the driver's seat. So I, I guess they're, and correct this if I'm wrong, but when I looked at this depth chart when it first came out, it would seem pretty apparent that there were going to be some really difficult decisions to be made uh, at any of the uh, the wide receiver positions. We're going to lock in Tariq Milton in one of them. Deshante Jones, I don't think, is losing his spot. But then it gets kind of dicey after that. Um, so I guess, is that the area that's uh, still to be determined? Is maybe that, uh, what would they call it, the Z? Uh, is how I believe Iowa State refers to it. Their Z position wide receiver with Shaw and Petway. Um, or are there some others to be uh, to be worked out? Yeah, it's it's kind of the ones we've been talking about with receiver and, and running back. I feel pretty confident that they'll start one of the older guys at running back, at least in the first game. And I think you could see plenty of Brees Hall in the opener against Northern Iowa just from the way he's kind of come on uh, in, in the last couple scrimmages and, and progressed throughout camp. I think he could be a guy that gets a lot of time in the opener. But I think um, Sheldon Crony or Kanae Nwangu will be the guy uh, to go in game one, at least at the, the first couple snaps. Um, but receiver is interesting just because there's so many different names and so many different body types um, that you could plug in at the receiver spot. Um, you have, uh, I mean, you have well, Michael Patway, the Arkansas graduate transfer, 6'5 and, and 225. You have Darren Wilson, 
who has continued to impress and, and kind of like um, Joseph Skates has come on in camp really strong and been a guy that they've turned to quite a bit. Um, Sean Shaw is 6'6 six, six and 2, uh, what is he, 215, 220, yep. something like that. 215, um, yep. Yeah, it's another option for him, too. So there, there's a lot of different types of bodies that they can run out there. And, um, you know, I think that's maybe one area that it'll, it'll be interesting to see in game one who gets the first round. We know the offensive line returns five guys with a lot of experience, a lot of starts under their belt. But we continue to hear about Trevor Downing making a push. Joey Ramos out of the tackle positions. If there was a guy that would lose his job along the five starters here on the offensive line, what position would you be looking at? What do you think would be the closest of somebody unsurping one of these starters? Yeah, it, you know, it's really tough. Uh, I think that Julian Jones has probably um, almost solidified himself at left tackle. Um, Josh Knipple feels pretty solid at right guard. Unless they were to make a change, maybe he slips out to right tackle and, and Colin Downing fills in there um, at right guard. Or, yeah, Trevor Downing, excuse me, fills in at right guard. Um, Colin Newell is probably their center, so uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it's Colin Olsen, but uh, it sounds like he's come on and had a really good camp too. So it, I don't know if I really see anything, any movement happening for a while. Um, and, and a lot of it could be injuries too, but I don't know if it's a thing, at least uh, for the foreseeable future, that somebody just straight up loses their job. I think they feel pretty good about what they've got in that starting five and and, and one that they're going to ride with for a while because of their history uh, last year and, and keeping that continuity. Uh, Dylan Moss from the Ames Tribune is our guest. Dylan, it's been a topic that uh, you and Trent and I have, uh, have tossed around here uh, since essentially the season ended last year, and that was looking ahead to the utilization of what we think has been, kind of been an undervalued uh, part of this offense over the years, and that's the tight end position, just because of the fact that they've legitimately, I think, got two guys that could make an impact on a team should they uh, decide to go in their direction. Chase Allen, six foot seven. We know his history, you know, from the time he got on campus, uh, the unfortunate situations that he's had, but apparently now uh, he's a hundred percent and is one of those guys that's really uh, creating a lot of buzz in fall camp. You know how I feel about Charlie Kohler. I think he's going to play on Sundays. I do. A lot of people think Allen is, by the way. And then Sainer is such a big dude at six foot seven, two seventy, or a prototypical blocking tight end. Last year, the tight ends cost, uh, caught 20 passes. I think fewer than 20 passes. We've thrown out the 35 number. I'm starting to think, Dylan, that they might blow by that forecast of 35. What are you hearing about the tight end spot? Yeah, I would almost, I'd say they get at least 30, but I think they could go up above the 35 more just because of maybe some of the uncertainties with the wide receivers. And, and that's not to say that one of those guys won't step up, but I think there's just more options and the tight ends are, are you know, they could be real pieces of the offense now. So uh, I think it sounds like uh, those guys have really been utilized, uh, not just in the past game, which I think we knew was going to be an increased uh, role for them, but also just in the way they're moved about the offense. So guys are lining up in different spots. They're split out wide. They're playing attached. And then Dylan Sanders, Casey's, in the backfield as, as a fullback type. And um, he's even kind of talked about not playing specifically the F position, which is what Sam Steenbuckner played last year. He was that kind of that lead blocker and attached tight end. But he, he's doing that, but, um, you know, he can run out of the backfield. He can play out wide. So he's, he's an even more versatile piece, I think, than, than Steenbuckner was. And so I think there's just so many different things that they can do now with those guys that they weren't able to do before. And a lot of that is, the time and experience they've had in the program, but also 
um, the, the way they've changed their bodies. All those guys are, are big dudes now and can be real assets to the offense. Dylan, I know we've talked a lot about the cornerback position and the guys fighting for playing time there with uh, Anthony Johnson and Detron Young expected to be the starters. Safeties appear to be very set, certainly, with Eisworths playing the star position and then Lawrence White and Braxton Lewis at the other spots. What about Justin Bickham, the grad transfer that comes in from Rice? How is he fitting in, and what kind of role do you anticipate he's going to have here in his senior year? Yeah, I think he's a guy that could push Braxton Lewis a little bit, and um, I, I would probably give Lewis a nod to start, but I think it's a pretty close race there in terms of um, who, who would trot out on the field first. But I think he's a guy that will play a lot. And, um, you know, it's tough him being in a Rice program for four years and then coming in to a, a new defensive scheme and having to pick things up uh, really since he got here in the summer. But um, we talked to D.K. McDonald, I think it was last week, and, and he said that he's come out and, and learned the learned the defense pretty quick and have been able to teach some of the younger guys even. Um, going to Rice, he's, he's a smart dude, and we got to talk to him as well. And, um, you know, very well-spoken and, and really kind of understands what they're doing with their, their defensive scheme, even though he's only been in it for um, a handful of weeks at that time. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's just another valuable piece to have because um, that's another position that, you can feel maybe good about what the starters were going to provide you uh, because of their experience, but the depth, again, you don't know exactly where it's going to come from. So having a guy that's started, I think, 23 games in his career and, and is um, an intelligent football player is, is a big plus. So I, I think you'll see him a lot on the field. Watch out for that semi. Dylan Montz is, is our guest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Abe's Tribune. Uh, Dylan, uh, you know, since we were tossing around over-unders, we just did with the tight end, and maybe this is a product of uh, of last week when they cut the ribbon on sports wagering in Iowa. And I know you can't do individual props against Iowa State or with, uh, uh, with the Iowa or Iowa State players involved. But what if I threw out an over-under touchdown passes by Brock Purdy number at 25? Last year he started eight games he threw 16 touchdown passes in those eight games you lose uh what did Akeem Butler had nine I think Matthew Wheaton had a couple but as I look at this receiver room and the depth chart for the receivers you know you factor in the tight ends and Milton and Jones and as you mentioned Petway's really opening eyes and so is Skates and so is uh Darren Wilson there's a lot of dudes that can catch the football can Brock Purdy throw 25 touchdown passes this year over or under and why yeah, I would probably tend to lean toward the over, and it's just for the reason you mentioned. I think there's just going to be a lot of options, especially um, when you get down to the red zone. You don't, uh, at least right now that we know of, have a guy that can do what David Montgomery did and get your tough yards. And there's certainly going to be a guy that, that can emerge. Uh, you know, maybe it's Brees Hall, maybe it's Sheldon Crony, maybe it's Tane Nwangu. Uh, who, who's to say? There, there could be a guy like that, but... I think they could go to the air a little bit more just because of the sheer numbers that they have with any of the tight ends, with um, Darren Wilson, with Pat White, with Milton, with Jones, with Landon Akers. So, uh, you can just go on down the list. There's, there's just going to be a lot of ways to spread the ball around. So I think that um, the, the likelihood of him throwing more touchdowns than, than 25 given a full 12-game schedule is, is uh, more likely than not. Um, but, it, yeah, so I, I guess that would be the way I'd lean right now. Dylan, you mentioned earlier you figure Sheldon Crony and Cornet Nwangu going to be the guys at least early in the season with some Brees Hall maybe mixed in. At the end of the season, when we look at the overall box score, the cumulative box score, who has the most carries on this Iowa State football team? Mm, good one. Tough one. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a tough one. It's, it's a good question. I, I probably lean Brees Hall because I do think um, even if he doesn't start at the beginning of the year that he probably uh, will be by at, at some point, whether it's middle of the year, whether it's the last few games. But I think if he can stay healthy, he's the guy that will see the field a, a ton. Uh, I, I've just heard rave reviews uh, about him in spring in um, these fall camp practices. And, again, um, it's camp, and you, you take it maybe with a little bit of a grain of salt, but uh, he was the guy that was – Highly touted coming out of Wichita as well, and uh, you know when even when they were recruiting Gyro Brock, um, they they went after Brees Hall for a reason, and that's not to say they don't like Brock because I think you could potentially see him in the mix too. But Brees Hall is a little bit different body type. Um, I think he's six one and two oh five, two ten, something like that. Uh, so it's just a, a little bit different of a look. Uh, so I, I think he'll be be the odds-on favorite to have the most carries by season. Uh, Dylan Mont James Tribune. Dylan, last thing for you. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the running backs. I think we mentioned four of the five that are listed on the depth chart. Johnny Lang hasn't come up in mm. our conversation as of yet, and they certainly had high expectations for him last year. Might he be a guy that uh, finds uh, more playing time, not exclusively necessarily, but maybe as, uh, you know, in the return game? Might he... Um, you know, I bet. I guess right now it's between him and Nwangu, but might Johnny Lang see the field for the most part only as a, a special teams player? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what his role uh, winds up being. I think um, his size is maybe hindering him a little bit. Uh, he's not as big as any of the other guys, and so he. I don't know if I see him exclusively as a um, as a feature back. So I think a special teams role uh, is in the in play. I think you can see him as a scat back. So you you maybe line him up at the backfield and, and split him out a little bit and do some swing passes with him. So I think you have, you have to be a little bit more creative when you use him and not just uh, let him run between uh, the tackle and guard or, or anything like that. I think he's, he's going to have to be away from the line a little bit. But he is quick and shifty too. So I, I think uh, special teams is, is probably a good fit for him. But, again, I think there are a few different ways you can use him on offense. It's just, it's just going to be a little bit different than maybe the way you use Crony or Nwongu or Brees Hall or Jairo Brock. Finally, a little basketball for you. The team finishes up their Italian tour going 3-0. and No surprise, dominating performances over there. Certainly don't glean a whole lot, but not sure if you had a chance to see any of the games. Anything jump out? Anything you heard from their trip in the 3-0 and run uh, through the Italian teams? Yeah, I, I didn't get to see much of the games, but the one thing that is really kind of stood out through at least a couple of them was Solomon Young. I, I think yeah. he's a guy that people forget about that's mm-hmm. returning to the team. And um, certainly it looks like they're going to need Rasier Bolden if they're going to reach their, their potential. Uh, I thought he played really, really well over there. But Solomon Young, um, I think he had 17 points in their last game. And it's really, uh, you know, even though he hasn't played for, uh, it feels like a couple of years, uh, the experience that he has down there and his body type and, and the, what he can add to the front court, I think is invaluable. So uh, he's he's a piece of the equation that I don't think people always remember, but is going to be one that is integral if they're going to make another tournament or um, have some sort of run in March. Excellent point on Solomon Young, and uh, yeah, you out of sight, out of mind kind of thing when he missed last year. Good stuff as always, Dylan Mods. Talk to you on Friday. We'll recap the week. What coordinators do you get this week? Uh, we get Tom Manning today, actually. Yep, with, uh, the running backs, and then Matt Campbell is on uh, Friday. Good so stuff. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you, Dylan Mons, Ames Tribune, AmesTrib.com for Dylan. 25 for Brock Purdy. Touchdown passes.
Over. I think so too. Not not a, not gonna sail over. But not not thirty eight. No, no. But yeah, twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, think that's, that's a fair range to mm-hmm. put it at. What if you put it at twenty seven and a half? I now you got me thinking because uh, I think it's right around that yeah. number. I probably I would go over. I, I think I'd go, go under at that point. Would you? Yeah. yeah I'm, not, I'm not, if it was 30, I know which way I'm going sure. with confidence. Yep. Maybe 29 as well. Anyways, uh, let's uh, switch gears from the Cyclones to the Hawkeyes. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic is next as Trent and I continue. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station 1460. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Talk to Iowa State with Dylan Montz. Let's do likewise with Scott Dockerman on Iowa. Of course, Doc works rights for the athletic, and we're glad that he does. Hello, Scott Dockerman. Trenton Ken, how are you? I am wonderful. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. The AP poll has come out, Doc. Uh, Iowa is ranked 20. Nebraska is 24. Wisconsin, however, uh, is ahead of the Hawkeyes. They're 19. Boy, I'm starting to really uh, feel the Wisconsin uh, love, perhaps. And, you know, Trent and I both thought that this was a team that was, eh, they were 8-5 and five last year. We could see that happening again this year. But the more you take a look at this uh, at this Wisconsin team, and you were at Media Day. Maybe we kind of underestimated them a little bit. And then they get some news today that uh, uh, Cephas, what's his first name? Um, Quentin Cephas? I think it Quintez, yeah. Yeah, Quint- yeah uh, Quintez Cephas. He's now um, been eligible. Uh, he's, he's back in school. He's enrolled in school. So they may get him back. That's certainly good news for the football program as he was acquitted on all of the sexual assault charges that were um, piled on him. This Wisconsin team, Doc, where are you on the Badgers? I like the Badgers in a lot of areas. I think their offensive line will still be pretty good. Uh, They lost four starters. Uh, But uh, Cole Van Lanning, who's their left tackle, is is tremendous. And and Tyler Biotic, who's their center, is probably the best in the country. So you're talking about a factory, not unlike Iowa, right. uh, that you kind of fill people in. And I, I, you know, they have the best running back in the country, and Jonathan Taylor. They've got some good wide receivers and, and some decent tight ends. So I don't think you can discount them at all. If they could just get steady quarterback play, offensively they're going to be pretty good. And defensively I do have some questions. Their defensive line was not good last mm-hmm. year, so you're wondering if they can take a step up. They lost a lot of really good linebackers, and that's going to be problematic because that defense relies on linebackers more than you know a 4-3 team does. So um, I do think they're going to be very competitive in the West Division. They've got a they've got even more difficult schedule than Iowa does, so that's going to be challenging. But um, anybody sleeping on the Badgers or thinking that ah, they're going to be having an off year, you're going to be in for a bad day because they are you know relentless and physical, and they can cause anybody problems. Another team that it feels like maybe Hawkeye fans are hopeful will have a down year like Wisconsin is the reigning champs in the West, Northwestern. Schedule's incredibly difficult. That first seven games, about as tough as you're going to find. But come November, it seems like the old Kirk Ferentz adage of, hey, come November, you know this team's going to be playing their best football. That's been Northwestern here over the last half decade. Are we sleeping too much on Northwestern, or do you think that schedule is just too much to keep their head above water? 
I think they could be a really good team and have a very mediocre record. I think they could be a 6-6 six and six record team and, and still be one of the better teams in the Big Ten just because uh, they have a tremendous defense. You know, their, their running game came along a little bit late last year. They do have a new quarterback. I'm not sure Hunter Johnson's better than Clayton Thorson, but I guess we'll find out. I, you know, I am concerned because again, running that gauntlet, you know, going Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa early in Big Ten play. I mean, all of those teams at best for Northwestern are 50-50 games. So. Uh, you know, if they win two out of them, I think, wow, okay, they got a shot at doing something. But, I, you know, the thing with Northwestern, Iowa is kind of the same way. It, but both teams, you know, they kind of even out. One year, if they get the breaks, if they win the close games, the next year they tend to not to do that. And and so I kind of wonder with Northwestern, I can see them losing a lot of really close games. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sleeping on them. I think everybody should respect them. But I also think that you should be realistic with the Wildcats. This just might not be their year. Yeah, schedule-wise, and they open at Stanford, and they're ranked uh, in the top 25. Yeah, I'm with you on Bowser. Once the running game got going, he seemed to ignite it a little bit. And as the AP poll comes out, and I think there's probably 50 teams when they factor in the others receiving votes, uh, they were, I think, 30th, somewhere around there. So we shall see on Northwestern. Doc, uh, as we begin the final week before the uh, before game week, if you will, before the game plan gets put in place uh, against Miami of Ohio, what do you think uh, position battles uh, are still to be determined? Who is in a fight in the final week? I think the kicker is going to come down maybe right till the very end. Uh, but what else, Doc? I think you, kind of some of the maybe non-prominent positions would probably be guard. Uh, you've got uh, both Paulson twins. They're seniors. They're, uh, they've got a chance in Cole Banward, who's a junior from Algona. I think those three are probably fighting for two spots. Uh, you know, I want to see if there's going to be a younger player that maybe rotates in with them and plays a few snaps a game just to get them on the field because you might see some departures in the offseason. I think inside linebackers are, are question marks. Uh, you know, is it going to be Christian Welch, Jaiman Colbert, and or Nick, Nick Neiman in those, th- those two spots, or will you see it more, you know, spread out? I mean, I, I was still going to run a 4-3. I mean, we kind of – We've kind of written it almost like the four-two-five is their one and only. But when they're facing a team with a fullback on the field or two tight ends, they're going four-three. And right now, it looks like Nick Neiman's going to be back at that outside linebacker position because Barrington Wade has been out with a foot injury for most of camp. So uh, I want to see, you know, does Dylan Doyle or Seth Benson or you know another pl- player kind of step up and Justin Jacobs get in the, the lineup? And then finally, um, you know, how solidified is the secondary? I mean, we seem to think that. Things are pretty well set, but sometimes things shake up. I mean, you know, how does a DJ Johnson do his at cash in his first uh, go around and first, you know, camp as the starter? Does he stay there? And uh, you know, what happens at free safety? Kayvon Merriweather is kind of the guy, but you know, let's see and wait and find out if he, you know, fits. Because last year we had we saw that situation with Monty Jones, where sometimes new starters don't always fit. So. Uh, I think there are some question marks, but they're not large ones, and I think that's probably a good thing for the Hawkeyes right now. Last week you wrote at The Athletic about the new starting safety, Kayvon Merriweather, a guy that Bill Parker, I had a chance to ask him about him uh, back during the spring, and he just said he was an under-radar guy. The one thing we ask when he's recruiting those types of players, don't go out and tell everybody about it. I like you. If you like us, come with us, and we don't want a bunch of other people jumping in the book, too. This guy that looked like he was going to play college basketball, here he is 
already getting ready to start for Iowa. What were you able to unearth with Kayvon Merriweather? You know, you've got a you've got a very much an under the radar guy, and maybe even more so some, than some of the other players they brought because. Uh, yeah, he was a two-star. He transferred his junior year from Romulus in Detroit to Belleville, which is one of the great powers in, in Michigan. And uh, the coaches really didn't even know he was there. And so he only played a couple of plays his first game. And, and finally he fought his way onto the field. And Ben Crowell, who's you know, a really uh, you know, talented coach at Belleville, said, you know what, he was one of the best players I've ever had, and I think he's going to be one of the best players Iowa's ever had. And, you know, that's saying a lot, and, and we'll, you know, tamp down the hyperbole here. But, you know, when you look athletically, he's in that wheelhouse. I mean, 6'2", can dunk with authority. We've seen that video. And then uh, just real physical and, and fast and, you know, has kind of that perfect blend. And, and you know, and he was a you know, three-point student in every semester in, in high school, so he can, you know, really conquer the, the defensive strategy. So I, I think he's going to be fine. He's going to make some mistakes. They always do. Just don't condemn him that much early on. And, uh, you know, but he might be one of the better ones that they find because physically he's got all the gifts Iowa needs from that position group. Uh, Oliver Martin still uh, waiting for clarity. Are you hearing anything, Doc, whether he's going to be deemed to be uh, immediately eligible in time to play this year? What are you hearing, if anything? It's pretty quiet, and really every chance that we've had, you know, the only thing I can always say is it's kind of a quiet confidence, but, you know, nobody really knows what the, how the NCAA is going to rule, and it's, you know, drives all of us crazy. We want some sort of closure, and, uh, you know, and Oliver being first and the team being second, you know, but uh, you know, you just don't know how this is going to come down. You know, back in, in June, you know, there were figures where I think there were 73 transfers at that point and 48 had gotten waivers in Division One football to, to play right away. So, uh, you know, where does he fit in that? Uh, it seems like there's been one case released about every day from the NCAA, and you'd hope for Oliver and for Iowa that that happens now. But I haven't heard anything specific. Uh, you know, I pretty much got a story written one way or the other, <laughs> nice. uh, just waiting to, to publish it. But it's been written now for a handful of days, so I'm kind of like uh, getting edgy here. You know, get let's get it going. But uh, if he does play, though, he elevates that wide receiver core to a level that Iowa maybe has never had, and that is five Big Ten starting caliber wide receivers in a rotation where uh, they they could be very productive. And and that's you know again something we haven't seen with that kind of depth. You know, I, I can't remember. You know, I mean, 2010 with DJK and with Marvin McNutt and Keenan Davis, they were pretty good, but they couldn't go five deep the way they could this year if he's eligible. Oliver Martin better on the outside or inside playing a slot? I think both positions he could be effective. I think he's the best probably as a flanker, you know, maybe on the outside a little bit, running those types of routes. But, you know, in, in Iowa's offense, I think he'll probably play both. And, uh, you know, Nico Regani is going to be there, largely their slot, very quick twitch, can get open, and Iowa needs that with lack of tight ends right now, or at least experience of tight ends. So, uh, you know, the slot is going to be very important. You know, ever since McNutt left from 2012 on, their leading receiver, as far as receptions go, has come out of the slot. And uh, so, you know, Oliver Martin probably play some snaps there, probably play at the flanker. Um, you know, maybe even at X, but uh, that's going to be largely Brandon Smith's uh, domain for this year and probably next year. Interesting. Kicker position still up for grabs, Doc, as far as we know, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and, and the, the one chance we got a chance to look, you know, yeah, Caleb, they're both great. Uh, Shudak and, 
and uh, you know, and then Keith Duncan were great. They didn't yeah. miss, and you know what a what a good problem to have, right? Um, you know, we've seen it the other way around, even mm-hmm. with good kickers. So um, we'll see what happens there. It, it, it could come down to during the season. We've seen that happen a few times before yep. too, where. You know, the competition just doesn't stop because there's a game. You know, my last question for you, but kind of along those lines, we've seen Ferentz take more chances, gamble more on fourth down. When you know, previous years it was just automatic that they're that they're going to send, uh, you know, the field goal kicker's going to come on the field. He's going to try from any distance. And granted, they've had some good ones over the Ferentz tenure. But what's behind this kind of... And I get the new Ferentz stuff that he was uh, you know, new Kirk, new Kirk, right? Uh, from what three or four years ago, but he's that's that's kind of carried over even to last year. He would be more prone to go for it than in previous years. What's behind it? Do you think? You know, they have an analytics staff that comes and meets with them on Thursday, so they kind of go over some situations and provide the percentages on why things work, why things don't work. And, and they discuss it then, and, and they make those decisions way before Saturday. So, you know, if they do get in that situation where it's fourth and three at the opponent's 41, you know, a lot of it depends on how the defense is playing. And Iowa's had a pretty good defense the last few mm-hmm. years. So, um, so, you know, they don't fear like, oh, we're putting them almost a midfield. Well, they figure, you know what, we're, we're, we can just keep attacking. And then that also shapes their third down philosophy which when third and short and they're running the ball hasn't been very good. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think they, that's probably a bit more the case of, you know, that they're thinking two downs rather than one. And when they, they get into a flow, that they feel like that they can, they can, you know, get the first down. So I think people should applaud that aggressiveness because that's certainly something we didn't see 10 years ago. That's for certain. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. What do you have coming up this week, Doc? Anything to share? Yeah, my uh, story tomorrow is on uh, comparing and contrasting Iowa's offensive line and blocking philosophy with Wisconsin. Uh, That's what I spent my media day at Wisconsin doing. So I've got about a 5,000-word story that I'm just about done with here that's running tomorrow, and uh, it's, it's uh, it's pretty intense. Let's put it that way. Well, we'll look different than you think. We look forward to it. I know that the Big Ten crew, the Big um, when they went, when were they there last week? They're raving. No surprise. Yeah, they had a lot of guys to replace, but boy, they look like this is a very strong unit at Wisconsin. We'll look for that at the Athletics. Scott Dockerman, Doc. We will talk to you on game week, sir. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. All right, Trent Condon. Mm-hmm. I know your, your travels take you to uh, Altoona tonight. Yes. Are you going to make a stop at that? Uh, well, I mean. It's legal. It's legal. Perfectly legal. Who do you like? Do you got one play tonight? I do, and it's involving my favorite team. Uh, the Twins. What are they going to do? They play the. They host the White Sox. They host the White Sox. Okay. Maybe Nelson Gibson, Cruz. Gibson, I know, pitches lineup. for sure. Who pitches for the White Sox? Nova? Ivan Nova. Okay. Now, the Twins are a huge favorite. Minus 225. I'm not, I'm not doing that. No. The over-under is only 9.5. Oh, Trent, the Twins will score nine runs. Don't I mean, you think? It feels like a lock. I mean, mortgage? Maybe, I can, maybe I can pay for that uh, baby Your son's going to be born Wednesday. By the way, did Cash Condon fly? Uh, didn't go well. Didn't go well. <laughs> kind of had that feeling. So Cash is out? Cash is out. We're still searching for that name. For the young one coming in here two in days. less than 48 hours. Unbelievable. Well, you only got two hours to wait for Murph and Andy. That'll pass some of the time. Murph and Andy at two. Then the Fanatics at four. Morning Rush will start things all over again tomorrow at six. Trent and I are back tomorrow at 10. Thanks for being here. We're Miller and Condon. 
on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.